Those that are on, joining us online, we want to welcome you. Thank you for being part of what's going on here. And I want to just share with you just some things that have been stirring in me again, kind of like what I do every week, I guess. And uh, boy, what a time to be alive. Isn't it wild out there? <laughs> but you know what's amazing? How wild is it out there, yet there's so much peace in here. And that's how you and I are supposed to live. It's okay. Here, listen, it's okay. Say it with me. It's okay. It's okay. It's going to be all right. And you can fill in the blank too. Whatever I'm talking about, you fill in your own blank. I got a blank that I'm filling in for that. But dear Lord, <laughs> sometimes you just got to look and go, well, how about you? Like, what is going on out there? But I'm just so grateful that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think, man, we've, we're, what a scripture to be standing on today. Man, we kind of thought, well, that's just, you know, that's a verse. You know, back in Hebrews, I glance over it. Man, that is a verse that you and I can stand on today for the rest of these days that we're on this earth. Jesus is the same. Man, he's the same. Come on, say it with me. He's the same. He's not about to change. He's not even thinking about changing. In fact, he doesn't even know how to change. <laughs> he's just always good. Always faithful. Kind of what Julian was just exhorting us this morning. Always good. Always kind. Always willing to receive and continuously merciful. Man, we serve an amazing God. And so I just was stirred in my heart this past week just to, again, reiterate the word that the Lord gave us. And the word the Lord gave us as a church family is encounter. Come on, say it with me. Encounter. Now, one of the things, you know, one of the, the things that I have to constantly deal with in my own mind is, you know, I see a lot of these same faces on a, on a weekly, regular basis, and I go, I got to bring something new. These people have probably heard all this all before. I got to give them something fresh, something they never heard of before, some brand new revelation. And then the Lord actually just captured my attention and said, it's not you need a new word, you need the now word. And that was just a helpful perspective for me to, you know, get again on, my, on the inside. It's not necessarily anything new is under the sun, but what do we need is that we need the now word from heaven. What is God speaking to us today? And we need to grab hold of that and we need to run with it. Now, of course, many of you maybe heard different words and maybe God has spoken to you personally a couple words, but for us as a church family, he's given us the word encounter. And when you hear that word, it's you and I, we have got to grab hold of it. We've got to take it as our own and we've got to receive it and then expect to see it in our lives. Okay, three people amening. Okay. So our response to hearing this word encounter is that we got to press in and prepare for it. The Lord told us this, that we are to expect, we are to prepare our hearts, and we are to create an environment for the Lord to move. We have to give him something to work with, right? Been talking a lot these past couple weeks about giving him access into our lives. And it's vital that we continue to do that. Because here's the thing, if the Lord tells us, hey, encounter, what does that mean? He's up to something. He wants to do something. And so you can't just kind of go, okay, well, that sounds good, God. Well, we'll see it happen when it takes place. No, no, no. So when I hear a word from the Lord, what am I going to do? I'm going to actively engage my heart, my mind, and it's all towards that word encounter. Lord, what are you saying around that? If you look through some of my, um, well, mostly on here, but all of my, my journals, everything like that, I got the word encounter, and I got spokes all over the place. I'm just writing, okay, Lord, what do you, what, show me different thoughts on this. I want to encourage you to do the same. What does that word encounter mean for you as an individual? What does it mean for you as a family, as a marriage, as kids, whatever it is? What does it mean for you as a single? What does it look like for you encounter? And let the Lord just start speaking to you. Because again, clearly, he wants to reveal himself in a stronger way. Amen. Hurrah. Okay. So it's time again that we press in, that we press into our relationship with the Lord. Why? Because the days are dark. And it's not going to get better out there. That's why we have got to understand this. It will not. That's a promise in the scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3. What did the Holy Spirit tell us? That in the last days, perilous times will come. Other translations just simply say it's going to get harder and harder and harder. And just when you think it's hard, guess what? It's going to get harder. Well, praise the Lord. Let's just go home. It's going to get, but he warned us about all that. Not to scare us, not to go, ooh, it's going to get crazy out there. No, to give us a little bit of a heads up so that you and I can respond in a proper way to a relationship with him. There is no other answer other than pressing in to a relationship with the Lord at this time. If there is a refusal to press in, it's going to be tough. And I've had some people come and say, will you just tell me that everything's going to be all right? I can't guarantee that. I can't even say that. It all depends on you and I at the same time. How much of the Lord do you want? 
Do you want a relationship with him? If you're pressing into a relationship with him, you will be all right. A-L-L-R-I-G-H-T. You will be all right. But you're going to have to make that decision. Again. Come on. All right. Another reason why we need to press in is because not only do we want to enjoy our days on this earth with the Lord, but then at the same time, we also have a mission on this earth, and we need to push it across the line. You are not here just to take up space. We're not here just to look for a, a nice little experience down on this earth. We are here on, an, on a mission. We are here pushing an agenda to get an agenda across on this earth, and we need to push it. Come on, say it with me. Push it. We need to push it. What does that look like? Well, first of all, it starts, on, it starts with the Lord. It starts in our relationship with Him. I am pushing in to a more deeper intimacy with Him. Why? So that I can respond clearer and better to Him. That's what it is. But listen, these last days, man, we got to push it. Before we get across that line, we got to get the last, last person here. We got to go after it. We got to get it trained. We got to get equipped for that next, that last soul that needs to come in. We're pushing for it. Hurrah, army. It's who we are. We're in the army of God. Remember we talked about last week, we're not here just to look for a nice, and, you know, a nice encounter. That's good. But we're also here to imprint something, here to push something through. That's what you and I are a part of. Just as Mark Darkness is trying to do that, well, the kingdom of God is doing that. But here's the thing, we win. We are the victorious ones, and we are pushing through an agenda, which is the word of God. We are pushing this thing through. No matter what people think, they say, we're going to continue to push. Oh, they tell us we can't meet. We continue to push. They tell us we can't preach. Those times will probably come. Guess what? We continue to preach. Why? Because the word, our master told us to keep doing so. Occupy until he comes. All right, that's not my message, but hurrah. And then last, as I said, our king is coming back, so we need to be ready. We have to have that on our mindsets. Okay. All right, so God desires, and this is what I want to get into, he desires closeness. Did you know that? He desires closeness. This morning, he desires it. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, he wants to be close. So let's look at this. God has always been interested in being close with mankind. And today, he's looking for someone who will reciprocate that same desire to be close. That's what he's looking for. Just to reciprocate. The same way that he's desiring you and I, he's looking for the same thing in return. And again, the purpose of closeness is friendship. And we went over this last week a little bit. I talked a little bit about a friend of God. That there's a difference between a servant and a friend. What's the difference between a servant and a friend? A servant, according to John 15, 15, says, he doesn't know what the master is thinking or doing. But Jesus said, this is the promotion the disciples got. They moved from a servant, somebody that doesn't know what God is doing doesn't know what the plan of the master is doing to becoming friends of God. And friends of God, what's, what do they know? They know the intimate plans and the details of the Father. They know it. Jesus said that in John 15, 15. I have don't no longer call you servants, but now I call you friends. What is the focus of a friendship versus a servant? The focus of a friend is relationship. The focus of a servant is obedience. I got to just, here's, give me my, my task chart. Da, 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 da. Okay, I will do that and I'll carry it out. And there's nothing wrong. Obedience, we will continue to obey. That's, that's, that's never the issue. Obedience is important. But what I'm saying is the friendship is a little bit different. I don't want to disappoint him. So I'm not going to, in our relationship between me and the Lord, I don't want to do things in our, in our relationship that will cause hurt or pain to his heart. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be interested in that. The same way that maybe husbands and wives, you don't want to do that with your spouse. You don't want to do things that intentionally hurt their heart. Or even if you didn't know it hurt their heart, you still don't want to be part of that. Why? Because you care about the closeness of that relationship. Well, when you move from a servant to a friend, it becomes the same way. Because I've had people say, well, is it okay to drink? So you already know when they ask that question. And I, can't, I can't tell you thou shall not drink. There's not a verse for that. That's up to you. That's up between you and the Lord. But for me, it's sin. Why? Because it's part of my relationship with him. I don't want to do it because I don't want to affect my relationship with him. That's just my own conviction. I can't force that on anybody else, and neither can you. You can't force that on anybody. Why? Because there's not a scripture to tell you otherwise. But for me, I won't do it. You're not going to find me in the bar after today, after this morning's service. Oh, service was a bit rough this morning. 
How, what do you think, Jesus? How did you like that one? You're not going to find that in me. Why? Because my relationship with him, he's just asked me not to, so that's just what I don't do. Can, can, you, can you see that? It's, again, all relational. That's just what the Lord wants. That's what he cares is the closest. So, my, again, my heart, my intention is fellowship, relationship. They move from commandments in the Old Testament or the, the servants. They move from obeying the Ten Commandments to now the focus becoming the presence of God. Can you see there's a major shift that took place between the old and the new? Right? We're not here just obeying a bunch of rules. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity now is all relationship. It's all about it. All about it. You're here this morning because of a relationship with him. Did anybody drag you to church this morning? Show of hands. There's maybe a few. My mom made me come to church. I see a few hands that are kind of thing. Oh, I see some hands going like this. Yeah, these ones over here. Well, we're so glad that you came this morning, man. But welcome. We're so thrilled. Even though you felt drug here. Well, hope you got a donut or something. Put some calories into that. But we know, man, we get to be here. I'm thankful that I get to be here. Okay, now. In the Old Testament, God found individuals that had a desire to be close with him. And the result was that these men and women, because of their closeness with God, they were used in setting the course of history for individual lives, but also for nations. Because of their closeness. And I want you to think, this is not unattainable for you. This isn't some far-fetched thing that's only for, oh, the super spiritual, the real high-up kind of a guy up there. No, no, no. This is for everyone that will just reciprocate the same desire that God has for you. You just turn and say, God, I want you. That's all he's looking for. And he'll use that. Whatever you give him, he'll take it and he'll use it. So don't just kind of think I'm some kind of you know, nut now that this is all that I have to be doing now and I'm some kind of monk and I, I do nothing with my life anymore. I'm just... Long dress, long skill, don't have any fun in life anymore. Man, when you give your life to God, it is the best thing on planet earth. You have the most fun that you could ever have. Why? Because that's how you spell God is F-U-N. <laughs> I didn't do good in English. <clears throat> Guess what? My mom and I, for English 30, English grade 12, we got 70%. <laughs> you clap it. I'm disappointed. I brought home and I brought back an essay one time. I actually put on the table 68%. That's the best you could do. <laughs> you weren't dotting your eyes, crossing your T's. Where's the punctuation in this thing, mom? And she said, well, you do it next time. I said, no, no, 68 is fine. 68 is just fine. <laughs> we had a really good working relationship. I'll never forget that. The look on her face when I said, that's the best you could do? <laughs> I thought that was the end of me. Joel Housing ceases to exist. But I'm sure you've gotten better. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm just kidding. My mom's amazing. I, just, I guess I put that on her because she reads a lot of books. So I just assume people that read a lot of books should know how to write. But no, my mom's amazing. Mom, thank you for all those 70% and... Actually, religion, RS35, you, you, you flew in. She nailed that one. I, was in the, I went to the Catholic school, so religion, um, RS35, she nailed the saints down. Did I actually graduate high school? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Now, enough on how smart my mom is. Let's get back to this. I love you, mom. I'm grateful for you. Without you, I literally would not be here, so thank you. Okay, so let's look just a couple of quick examples. Abraham, for example, he reciprocated that desire for closeness with God and drew near to God. Now just think of this. Because of his decision to draw near, God was able to bring in the Messiah to save the world. If you think about that, yes, God had a plan from before the foundation of the world, but he still needed an individual to work with and work through. If Abraham was not willing to offer up his son Isaac on the altar, Jesus could not have come. Why? Because this was man's side, Abraham's side of the covenant that he had to fulfill. You have to put your Isaac on the altar. He didn't ask for the Ishmael. He asked for the promise of God. Are you willing to give up what I've called you, what I've given you? Are you willing to give it up for me? That's a big deal. But because Abraham did it, what's the result? We got Jesus. It's amazing. No Abraham, 
It, it wouldn't have just come through. I mean, obviously, God would have looked through someone else. I actually heard this from another minister one time. It was real interesting. They were talking about Job, and because Job came before Abraham was, and if you kind of read through the book of Job, and a lot of people kind of read that weirdly or differently, but one of the things you actually think, and she actually mentioned this, that they, she believed that Job, God was actually looking for what he saw in Abraham actually in Job, but he couldn't find it. Because one of the big things that you see in Abraham, Abraham was willing to tell his children about the promises of God, the covenant that he had with God. Job did not. So that's where you see a big dividing line and a big difference. And I thought, oh, that, that's actually very interesting. But God is just looking for a man or a woman that he can work through. And you see that throughout the entire Old Testament. These aren't just amazing heroes. All of a sudden they were born and there's a halo over their head. And now there's something special about them. What's special about them is that they just said, Lord, I'm going to reciprocate this desire that you have for me. I want you. That's all that it is. I really want us to see that. Because there's nobody special. It's just somebody that said, Jesus, I want in. And he'll give it to you. The next guy that I want to show you is David. Again, he reciprocated the desire for closeness. And as David drew near to God, God chose David's throne to be established forever. And Jesus came through that line. What is Jesus from? He's the descendant of who? David. And that's what God actually said about Jesus. Your throne will be established forever and ever. Talking about the throne of David. Who is that now? That's Jesus sitting on David's throne. How did he get that? Again, he reciprocated that desire. And if you just turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings, I do not have this on the screen. So guys downstairs, you don't have to panic. 1 Kings chapter 8, 15 and 17. I want you just to show you this for a second here. This is after, um, and we know David did not build the temple. Solomon did, his son, right? Now I want you to see, this is now when the Ark of the Covenant, and we knew the Ark of the Covenant was the presence of God. The presence of God was about to go into now the, the temple that Solomon built. And just before it goes in, this is Solomon's prayer and he addresses the people. And I want you to see this here. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept the promises he made to my father David. For he told my father, now listen, this is what God told David. He said this, from the day I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I have never chosen a city among any of the tribes of Israel as a place where a temple should be built to honor my name. But I have chosen David to be king over my people Israel. Then Solomon said, My father David wanted to build this temple to honor the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. Now this to me is a wow factor. What do we see right here? God basically said, The temple isn't my idea. David was. Did God ever have it on his heart or his mind to build a temple? No. What did God have in mind? David. I want you to think that God's, a lot of times we kind of think, okay, I want to see what's going to come out of my life. God's like, okay, I wonder what's going to come out of Joel's life, and that's all that's on God's brain. No, 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 no. That's not what's on God's brain. What's on God's mind is me. For the man, the work is important. For God, the worker is important. God will always sacrifice the work for the worker. Do you know why? The wow factor is, is because God just wants you. What he gets out of you is just bonus, it's benefit, it's blessing. It's there to carry out a purpose, yes. But before any of that, God's not looking just trying to get stuff out of you. What does he want? You. And that's what turned my life around, that knowing God just wanted me. He didn't want what he could get out of me, how much effort and time I'd be putting into the local church. That wasn't even what he was focused on. He just wanted me. And the result is, because of my love and my passion for him, what came up on the inside of David? David is the one that came up with the temple. Right? And what happened? He built it. It's the same way with you and I. How come some people are so passionate about serving the local church? In their fellowship with God, it just comes up. And now it becomes something that they just... Do because they want to love God back. But God's not looking at you and going, okay, Julian, what am I going to get out of this guy? I'm going to see if I can just squeeze out every little drop of sweat I can. And ah, there he is, dry. Oh, well, we had a good run, Julian. See ya. Next. Like, can you see God is not an abuser? Why, who's he interested in? Me. And out of me, because of my love and my relationship with him, there's desires in my heart that are birthed and they come out just simply out of our communion with one another. And therefore, the work is there. Why? To bless other people. Cool. Now, 
you know, this kind of goes, I mean, this, this talk about Abraham and David is, is a big deal. But also, I want you just to bring it down just to even maybe your own personal level. But for example, somebody that's just reciprocated the same love towards God that God has for them, I want to use my wonderful grandparents for a moment. They moved here from Holland in 1975. 1975, they came here, not born again. Then all of a sudden, I don't want to go into all the details, then they got born again. And I remember my dad always saying that, I, well, I thought we were already Christians. Well, no, I, I, then that's when my, my grandparents, they had a business, a meat shop. They gave everything over to the Lord. They reciprocated that same desire that God had for them. They reciprocated it back. And what's the result? A family that now serves the Lord. This local church would not be there, here, if it wasn't for that decision. You think about that? I am standing on the shoulders of giants. I understand that. And then all of a sudden, what came out? My, my parents obviously had to make the same decision, the same choice. We are going to serve God no matter what. So they through the trenches, planted a church where this type of message is not popular in the nation of Canada. The stuff that they had to walk through, the ridicule, the things that people said about them. Dear Lord, people got issues. And what happened? They continued to plow, they continued to push, and boom. My dad would always say they kicked out the moose and brought in the sheep. <laughs> For those of you wondering, because this used to be the moose hall. And that's why you're, yeah, you're like, oh, that's why, yeah, yeah. I better clarify that because that would always be a really bad joke. <laughs> this used to be a bar. This used to be a great dance floor. That's why you're ever wondering, man, when people get moving, right? You turn graves into gardens. What is that? It's a dancing floor. So we used to actually just bring in a lot of different groups that would come in and use this floor because it would just feel it. So feel free. You can dance, jump, roll, whatever you want to do. It will not break. But again, thinking about that, just simply reciprocating that same desire, and what's the result? A local church got planted. And now look at us. We're all reaping the benefits of that out of a decision. So what would it be like if you simply, as a man, as a husband, as a wife, as a mom, as a child, as a teenager, regardless of where you are, if you just simply reciprocated that same desire back to God, what would it look like for your future? What would it look like for your children? What would it look like for your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren? You have no idea the importance of your obedience to simply going, Lord, you love me? Guess what? I love you right back. And I'm going to go after you. I'm going to seek you. I don't care what people think. I don't care what people say. I'm going to do that thing that you told me. I'm going to lay down this thing that you don't need. Lord, I'm going all after you. What would happen to families? What would happen to a city? And what's the result, man? You get people turned around. Your family's destiny is hinged on your and my decisions. And all I'm going to simply do, all I know, because listen, I'm, I'm learning this whole parenting thing. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> this is just something else. But what I'm doing, Lord, if the more that I just press into you, God, I entrust my, my children to you. I entrust their salvation to you. I, Lord, you're their God. You want them. Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to simply press in because I'm going to reciprocate that same desire. It'll benefit me, but it's going to benefit hereafter. I don't want this to stop with me. And for those of you that are maybe the, the patriots in regarding to accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're the first ones in your family, rock on. Good for you. It's not easy. Family talking bad about you. Family going, you're messed up in the head. Yeah. So are you. And it just... <laughs> But I want to say, well done. Well done. It's not always easy, but guess what? Here's your family. If you ever need the support, we're right here. <laughs> Jesus even said that he had a meeting, and guess where his family was? Outside in the parking lot. They wouldn't even come in for a crepe or a donut. They would just hang out back there. Uh, can you tell Jesus that we're outside? We want to talk to him. And he said, so somebody came up to him and said, hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside. They want to, they want to talk to you. He said, who are my mother and brothers? He said, those that do the will of God. So if you ain't getting the support from your blood family, guess what? you got a blood-bought family that we are in this together. It's called the family of God. We're in this. Cool. Okay, next. Again, God's desire is closeness. And let's go to Exodus chapter 19. Hold, oh, Joel, go, man, go. you got to listen quicker, people. I just... Exodus 19. And let's look at this verse... One, let's going to read a couple of verses here. 
I want to just show you again that God, he, ever from the beginning of time, God's desire was closeness. God is not an absentee father. He wants closeness. And in Exodus 19, verse 1, it begins like this. Exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai, and after breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth. For all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So Moses returned from the mountain and called together the elders of the people and told them everything the Lord had commanded them. And all the people responded together, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. Now, let's just pause here for a second. We all kind of understand this story. And again, what was the purpose for God taking the Israelites out of Egypt? He wanted to bring them to himself, to Mount Sinai, right? That was the plan. And from there, once the people experienced and they saw who Jehovah was, they were going to lead them now into the promised land, right? The Israelites needed to know who their rescuer was. They needed to know who their God was. I just think it's cool how God did that. God didn't just send the Israelites who only knew captivity, who only knew slavery, and just brought them into the promised land. That's not what God does. He brings you to himself. He wants to show you who he is. Our precious great reward is him, not the promised land. If I get him, that's all I need. Hey, say it with me. If I get him, that's all I need. And the benefit is you get it. You get the promised land because that's what he wants to give. He's a wonderful father, but he will not do it first without you and I first understanding who he is. So this is what he's wanting to do. So now Israel is at this place of Sinai. So I want you to picture it from God's perspective. From the time of Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve fell and they sinned against God, what happened now? God was kicked out of his creation. Now God has to look through a window into the earth that he created for mankind. Can you see that? Now he's on the outside. Now the enemy has control of the earth and he's taken over. This is my plan and he's got a steal, kill, and destroy purpose. This is what he's doing. Now God can't just come in and here I am and get out of your devil and start slapping that snake up a little bit. He can't do that. Why? Because he doesn't have legal access. So at that point and at that time, the father now was basically kicked out of his own home and here he is looking on the inside. There's my creation. I can't get to them. That's why he said, Adam, where are you? Where are you at, man? You left my presence. Why? Where'd you go? So for this whole time, God has been on the outside. And what does a father that is in love with children want more than anything? Closeness. I don't care what your natural father may have been like. Maybe he was nasty. This father wants closeness. He's obsessed with closeness. Oh. It's what he wants. And actually, it's one of my greatest things to even see when I get home from a trip or anything like that. When I open the door, the first one that always greets me usually is London. She'll stand on there, Papa! And she'll just run over and boom, you get the hit. And when the boys come, it, it just hurts more than anything. I appreciate the hug, but it really hurts. But I love to see that reciprocated. Why? Because I'm so excited. I haven't seen my kids for, you know, four or five. It's good to miss your kids. <laughs> and all of a sudden, man, I'm excited to see them. I'm so thankful that it's reciprocated. Now, how much more, when we come gathered here, what does the Father want to do? My family's close. They're together in unison. They're together in one accord to sing together. What does he want to do? Hopefully, they're singing good today. I know it's a little chilly outside, but man, sing, will you? No, what is his heart? I want to be close. So this is the Father's heart continually. So at Mount Sinai, God performed these amazing miracles, 10 plagues that we see to deliver the Israelites powerfully from the tyranny in the hand of the Egyptians, right? So he pulls them out, and now there they are, standing before the very base of the mountain of Sinai, and now here's God, and he's saying, you tell the people, I'm coming. Can you see the excitement of God? He's like, oh, man, I'm coming down. It's going to be awesome. 
This is what he's doing. He's excited about it. He's hungry for it. He's been waiting for this moment. Okay, you ready? Now look, verse 9. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud. Moses, so when the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you, then they will always trust you. Moses told the Lord what the people had said. Then the Lord told Moses, go down. And notice what does he say? What does he say? Prepare. Everybody say prepare. When God shows up, you've got to be ready. Prepare for my arrival. And this is what we're doing this morning even, is we're preparing for the rapture of the church. We're getting ready to get out of this place. This is what we're doing. Really? really? It's the best day of your entire life. I promise you that. Okay. Prepare for my arrival. He says, consecrate. We say consecrate. It's not a real fun word to hear these days, but consecrate. Everybody say consecrate. Consecrate. (laughs) We're going to consecrate. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. And then if you read through um, 11 through 14, it kind of just gives a little bit more of an understanding of what they're doing. Now look at again, verse, um, go to 16. Moses, in verse 14, he says, Moses went down to the people. He consecrated them for worship and they washed their clothes. He, man, do you just see the reverence and the honor? They washed themselves. They got ready. They got pure for three days. And then it says he told them, get ready for the third day. And until then, abstain from having intercourse. 16, on the morning of the third day, look what happened. Thunder roared. Not to scare anybody. Like, this is how God had to come in the Old Testament. Because anybody saw him, they'd be dead. Thunder roared. Lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and all the people peed their pants in the Joel Housing version. The JHV trembled. Okay, guys, you you tinkled a little bit. Like, I want you to think. Just, I want you to picture it in your mind's eye. Thunder, lightning, a dense cloud comes on top of the mountain. Then not only that, it gets louder and louder and louder. Verse 17, Moses, I love this, led them out from the camp to meet with God. And they stood, I just, I can picture millions of people standing before this mountain. I want you to see this. And this father, this God was so excited to see them. And be with them. Can you just see? I see three million people standing there just going. Ah. Then verse 18. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it from the form of fire. <laughs> God's <good. laughs> Just think that's amazing. Oh, man. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln. And the whole mountain shook violently. Then at last, of, at, at last, at the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God thundered his reply. Then, verse 20, the Lord came down on the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. I just, I love these words. Here's the call. Children, come up. Go back to verse 20, guys. So Moses climbed the mountain. What did he do? He reciprocated that same desire. This is all the Father's looking for. Come up on the mountain. It's not like God's all authority. Come up the mountain, Moses. I believe a Father's, Moses, come. Come up the mountain. And what, and what is he looking for? A response. So Moses climbed. That's all that it is. The Father is calling you and I. Hey, come hang some. Give me 15 minutes of your day. Give me, give me an hour of your evening. And my response wants to be, so Joel gave an hour of his evening. I want you to get up a little bit before you get to work in the busyness of your day. Come get away with me. Get away with me. I want to be with you. My response, I want it to be. And so Joel woke up early that next morning. And for the mornings thereafter, he made that his routine. I want that to be in my, if I had a Bible about me, I want that to be said of my life. That I reciprocated the the call to come close. My response is, Lord, here am I coming. 
Now, and then, of course, if you read through chapter 20, then now God is speaking to the Israelite army, and he's sharing, and he's speaking to them, and he lists off the, the commandments that are there. But now let's skip down. Look at verse 18. Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. It says, When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billing from the mountain, they stood, what did they do? They stood at a distance. Now for a father, I'll just say parent from a, from a parent's perspective, when you're drawing close, and it's not like God is trying to scare them, he did this to protect them. Listen, these were not born-again believers like what we are. We have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. Any sinner, the state of sin, falls dead at the sight of God. So what did he do? He covered himself as much as he could so that the people could actually experience him. So what did they do, the Israelites do? At a distance. They stood back. Okay, look at this, verse 19. And they said to Moses, You speak, you speak to us and we'll listen but don't let God speak directly to us or we'll die. Could you imagine the, the father's heart of, that, of those words? And it was all this buildup. It was all this, come on, I'm so excited to be there. In three days, I'm coming. God marks it off, three. And the next day comes up, oh, yeah, two. Oh, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. One, dun, 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 dun. get the clouds, get the clouds, get the smoke. Here I am. And every time he said, hey, y'all, they hear thunder. That's what they're hearing. And so he's super duper excited only to hear, don't let God speak directly to us. We'll die. Could you imagine the excitement level on that mountain? Went from ha to this is the father's heart. This is what he's always wanted. Still wants today. Verse 20, Moses trying to beg with him, don't be afraid. Moses answered them, for God has come in this way to test you. What is he testing? So that your fear of him will keep you from sin. He's looking for some respect. He's like, I'm not doing this to try to frighten you or to scare all of you. I'm seeing that I'm the fear, seeing of, God that the fear of God may be found on, on the inside of you to keep you from sin, to have you all to myself. This is all he wants. God, as I said this a while ago, God doesn't play good with other gods. He doesn't play he well doesn't with play other well gods. gods. Verse 21, as the people stood in the distance, again, look at this, Moses, what do you see him? He approached the dark cloud where God was. I want that to be said of my life. What do you can say that for your name? As the people stood at a distance. So here's the thing, even though people may go, man, that's, I don't want some of that stuff. I don't know if that, no, 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 no. What do you do? I want Joel to have said about me, Joel approached the dark cloud where God was. Lord, here am I. Millions of people behind them. So that shows me just because millions of people don't all agree with you doesn't mean you're wrong. Just because there's a, you know, thousands of people in a certain place doesn't mean that God's actually moving there. Millions of people stood back at a distance. So this asked me this question. Why is the presence of God so uncomfortable or intimidating for some people? Let's just bring that up and I'll finish it there. It's John chapter 3, verse 16 through 21. Let's read these verses. Very familiar scripture, but this is how much God loved the world. How much did he love the world? <laughs> so much. That he gave his one and only son, unique son as a gift, so that everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and to rescue it. Verse 18. So now, there is no longer any condemnation for those who believe in him, but the unbeliever already lives under condemnation because they do not believe in the name of God's beloved son. So right here, do people go to hell because they do bad things? No. Do people go to hell because they lie, cheat, steal, drink, watch porn, caught in adultery? No. Why is it then? Is they choose to reject Jesus. You have to do something with this Jesus man, this Jesus God that we serve. It's a question for what are you going to do with him? You either embrace him or you reject him. Choosing not to embrace him, you're also, also saying, I'm rejecting him. But this is what he's saying. Now look at this, verse 19. And here is the basis for their judgment. Again, we're answering this question. Why are people so uncomfortable or they find it intimidating to be in the presence of God? 
Not just talking about worldly people, but also church folk. Why is it that some people resist to even some degree or just don't want to even be in the presence of God? There's a reason why. We all okay? Okay, let's look at this. Verse 19, and here is the basis for their judgment. The light of God has now come into the world, but the hearts of people love their darkness more than light because they want the darkness to conceal their evil. Verse 20, it says, So the wicked hate the light and try to hide from it, for their lives are fully exposed in the light. But those, verse 21 lastly, but those who love the truth will come out into the light and welcome its exposure, for the light will reveal their, that their fruitful works were produced by God. So what's this all saying? So why is it that the presence of God is so uncomfortable or intimidating for people? Number one is this, is because some people love their darkness, meaning their sin, or their deception more than walking in freedom. You just enjoy it. Is sin pleasurable and enjoyable? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Your flesh is like, give me more, give me more, give me more. But the thing about the flesh, it doesn't know when more ends. It keeps wanting more. It keeps wanting more. And here's the thing. Once you think you got it satisfied, the next morning you wake up and what do you want? More and more and more. The flesh doesn't know. The flesh will go until it's dead. <laughs> I'll keep going. I'll keep drinking. I'll keep doing. I'll keep smoking. I'll keep puffing. I'll keep, you name it. I'll keep, I'll do all these things more and more. Until when? When is enough? Until you're not able to breathe anymore. That's when the body goes, yeah, I can't do it. And you see that horrifically. You see that. That happens. And that's a sad state to be in. But what it is, it's going, something going on the inside. So why is it some people refuse to walking into the presence of God? It's because they love their darkness more than they do the light. Walking in freedom. Secondly, then, is they think by avoiding the light or avoiding truth, their darkness will hide them from ever having to face the light. If I just stay in darkness long enough, I'm just going to stay on because I don't want to go in there. Darkness will just keep me covered. Well, what I read in Psalm 139, that even the darkness is light to him. You ain't hiding nothing from him. Hebrews 4 even says that all of nature, all of creation, lies naked and exposed. It's all there. God's not like going, hey, where, where'd he go? Where, keep, move that curtain. I can't get, get so dark back there. Who's back there? Hey, you, hey, hey, or is anybody back there? Hey, uh, uh, the angel, can you go see if anybody's in that back corner over there? I can't make it out. Hey, is that you, Freddy? Freddy, get out of here. That's not God. He goes, oh, hey, Fred. He sees you in dark. But people think they can conceal themselves in darkness. Darkness. <laughs> All right, then thirdly, here's the thing that I think that this is where most people may be settling in, is that they are nervous about their life being exposed to light. They're nervous about it, meaning, or let me just go this way, light or truth has come and it's for this purpose. Or it's not its purpose. Let me do this first. The reason why light has come its purpose is not to condemn you, to embarrass you, or to harm you. The light of the word, the light of the gospel, the light of God never comes to hurt, never comes to harass, never comes to condemn. But that's why Jesus said, John 3, 16, I came not to condemn you. If you're in darkness, I didn't come to condemn, to judge the past sentence on. I came to rescue you from it. Maybe you're not even aware that you're in darkness. I came to rescue you from it because you're not actually living. You're in darkness. You're hiding things. Your life is secret. Life was never meant to be secret. You and I, we suck having secret lives. What's the revolt? Living a secret life, guess what happens? It gets exposed. No matter who you are, how big you are, how good you think you are, the more good you think you're hiding at it, guess what? Eventually, it comes out. You can hide it. Maybe you're still hiding something. It's, oh, it's been seven years. Nobody knows. Guess what? It's only a matter of time before it's revealed and it's seen. And then if you're not going to God with it, now what's happening is that now that own darkness is actually condemning and convicting you. And now you have to live with the shame, the guilt, all this stuff with it. So Jesus is saying, don't, don't stay in that darkness. Come out. Let me shed light on it. Let me show you living. Let me show you life. And the result is you change. So you're free. Again, so what is the purpose of it? To experience the loving mercy of a Savior, to experience true freedom, and to have ongoing relationship with truth himself.
This is what he wants. Because here's the thing. To the degree that I'm walking in truth is the degree that I'm walking with him. The moment that I refuse to acknowledge truth for truth, my relationship with the Lord stops at that standstill. Now what happens if we stop at this standstill, refusing for light to expose more? Listen, this is how relationship with the Lord gets deeper and deeper, is you allow his, light, his truth gazing stare into my heart. You've got to do that. You've got to move on in your relationship with the Lord. It's got to move from Savior, yay, I'm saved, born again Christian, whoop, whoop, whoop. How come all of a sudden it starts to dwindle? It's because now you have to give him lordship of your life. I have to give him access into all those hidden secrets that nobody else even knows about. He already knows, so just tell him. Why? So he can shed light on it and give you what the true freedom really is. This is his desire. This is his passion. He loves walking with people in truth. Okay. I got five more minutes and I got to finish it. But a question that I'm asking is people that carry the presence of God. Here's the thing too. I actually saw this quote this past week. I really liked it. But here's a question. People that carry the presence of God that are children of life, why is it that some of you or some of people can't stand you? You ever thought that question? Why is it? like, why? Man, if you'd know me, you'd like me. Why is it some people just can't stand your presence? Here's the answer. Some people will never like you because the spirit working with you irritates their demons. Bam. Remember, though, you've got the greater one living on the inside of you. You and I, we're supposed to be irritating something. Now, I'm not saying we go look to irritate people. That's not our fight. But I'm going to walk in the standard of the word. Listen, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but this is a hate speech book. Claimed by the world, it's a hate speech book. But you and I know this book to be full of love, full of truth, full of guidance, full of wisdom, full of might, full of conquering anointing, grace-filled, power-packed goodness of God all written on these pages. But to the world, we see this in Corinthians chapter 4, you stink. You confess this, you believe in this, you're a bigot. You're a racist. They'll even throw those terms around. They'll, they'll shout them at you. They'll say all these things. Conversion therapy, you're just mean to people. You don't let people be who they are. I'm, no. You and I, we have got to make some decisions before these things happen that we start seeing them on a daily thing. Are you going to, if you don't, if you, if you denounce Jesus, you keep your job. You choose your job or Jesus. Jesus, see ya. You have to already have to prepare your heart for those moments. You're going to have to set the stage of what it's going to look like when these questions are coming your way. I'm going to stick with this no matter what. No matter who, no matter what comes against me, because the greater one lives on the inside of me. If I irritate your demons, that's too bad. Here's the result. God will come and save you and rescue you just like he did me. Get rid of those stinking demons because we do not fight people. Flesh and blood are not our problem. Demons are just really ticked off at what you and I stand for. And that's all he's after. Amen? Okay, now, Amen. I do not have time to go into this, so I'm going to save this for next week. But I'll give you the verse, and then I'll call up Mr. Aaron if you want to come up, man, sir. As we said, God's desire is closeness. In James chapter 4, verse 8, this is the invitation of all invitations. He said, come close to God, and what will happen? And he will come close to you. This is the most beautiful invitation that you and I have ever received. The sole purpose of my existence is found in me responding to this invitation. Hello. My sole purpose of my existence is found in responding to come close. If I come close, what's going to change? My entire existence is going to change. Thirdly, then, fulfillment of my life is found in responding to this invitation. Come close to God. If I respond to it, it's going to radically change the way I live my life. And lastly, my response to this invitation, again, as I said, determines my life's flow and direction. And you know what? This because since God desires closeness, it means he hates distance. So what did he do? He sent Jesus to wage war on the space between us. He hates space. And that's what our loving father does. He loves closeness. And because he loves closeness, if you love something, that means you hate something else. He hates distance between us. And so that's why he sent Jesus, to absolutely abolish the gap that was between us 
in him. And that's what the whole gospel is all about, is a wonderful father who wanted his kids so close that he gave up all of heaven to get you and I back. That's how much he wants closeness. Oh, that's good. All right, let's just pray. Father, we just thank you so much, Jesus, that you came and abolished distance for us. What a privilege. What a blessing. What a, what a gift, Father, that we have in you through Jesus, revealed by the Spirit of God, that we can be close. Father, I want to just right now just publicly say thank you. You are good. You are our God. You are our Lord. And we trust you completely. And now, Father, this morning what I want to do is just, if anybody here has never accepted Jesus Christ, maybe you're watching this morning online and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is, this is the first step into closeness with God. The beginning part is saying, Jesus, I want you as my Lord and I want you as my Savior. By just simply acknowledging that. It's not a religion. It's not about doing things, about being a good person about saying these nice little prayers once in a while. No, no, no. It's about giving your life completely to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I want you to have my life. Here you go. And in that call, Jesus will respond. So if that's you this morning, what I want to do is I want you just to repeat this prayer after me. Everyone will say it, but I want you just to say this prayer. And right afterwards, our prayer team will be here at the front. And if this is the first time you've prayed this prayer, come up and tell us. Come up and tell us. We want to know that you received Jesus and came close to God this morning. We got some things we want to give you, but you're not alone. You're not alone. Even in the season that we're living in, COVID is trying to keep people separate. No, no, no. Jesus still draws people close. So just because of the season, we'll, we'll, wherever you're at, we want to help you on your journey. We want to work with you. We want to love you and give you all the resources you need. Not only just resources, but we give you our heart. This church is committed to building big people. Big in their relationship with the Lord. And that's why we exist. And that's what we want to work with you on. So with every head bowed, let's just pray this. Father God, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe with all my heart that Jesus died and you rose again. I accept and acknowledge you as Lord and Savior of my life. Come into my heart. I believe in you. And in the love you have for me. And I turn that love towards you. Jesus, I love you. And I'm excited for this relationship journey to begin with you this very morning. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now just by doing that, guess what? You're in the kingdom. Guess what God just did? He took your picture and he put you in his wallet. Just what every good dad does. Now you're in the, now you're in the wallet. Amen. Aaron, would you come on up for a quick moment? Thank you, everyone. We'll continue going on this line, friendship with God, and as the coming weeks come up. You're helpful. You're blessed.